0: Hello my loves, welcome back. This is the story behind the story. I am Sierra Melker of Red Thread Publishing and I am being joined today by Tamara Palmer who is an author of multiple books and I'm not going to say too much about her because she knows herself better than I do and she is going to introduce herself to you as she is in this moment. Thank you so much for joining us Tamara, thanks.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love talking with other writers and people leading writing communities it's my heart and it's my passion
0: uh someone who's been writing
1: since she was 12 years old on my first typewriter my parents got me when they got so fed up trying to read my chicken scratch um thank you so much yes i've written two novels now missing tyler and finding lancelot they are not connected i just like missing and finding things (laughs) (laughs) they're not even the same genres which is really what you're not supposed to do in writing because you know i'm i'm just like completely disregarding all the marketable advice i've been given but um but missing tyler is a ya novel about a 15 year old girl who's lost her twin brother and it's really the whole arc of finding herself first love it's set on the jersey shore it's summer and she's you know it's the, the ultimate coming of age um Finding Lancelot is set in England and Chicago and 1500s England and modern day it's a past life regression story it's like you know Bridget Jones meets Outlander meets (laughs) throwing all the analogies it's so much fun it's crazy it's wild um but these are the stories that came to me they're the stories I told and it's my passion I'm so excited to have you here for a couple of
0: reasons. You're our first fiction writer, which is like a whole other animal than nonfiction. fiction um, But I just heard you say some things that I think are already really important that cross genre and, you know, even anything. You said like, I'm not following all the marketable advice. I'm writing what's coming to me. And and I think that's so critical because when I, so when I was in high school, I had an art teacher that said, you have to learn the rules so that you can break the rules. Mm. And I, all that comes back to me in so many different parts of life um, because I like breaking rules, but it's nice to know what they are. Like the great artists were absolute technical experts in everything. And then they stepped beyond that. And made whole new kinds of art that had never been, you know, created before. Um, and I think depending, it's people who are especially new to writing, and a lot of our listeners are breaking into, you know, sort of the first time writing a story, whether it's fiction or more nonfiction, and we can get lost from ourselves by following the advice of others too much. Mm-hmm. It's important to sort of know it and then maybe disregard it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm definitely, you know, like learn the things, don't not learn the things because we are playing the game of books, but but don't lose yourself and don't let your story get lost in, in the telling. So I really appreciate that uh, you're not, uh, Fierce rule follower. (laughs) I'm not a rule follower at all.
1: (laughs) Okay. I didn't want to impose
0: it on you, but good. Um, Because it takes, you have to know what the rules are to be like, oh,
1: I didn't do that. (laughs) Um, But even though they're, you know, they're totally different genres, they're not easily marketed together. There's still a common theme, which I didn't really mention with the first one, is I had this tagline that I came up with for myself, that I bring metaphysical concepts to the Sex in the City audience. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> that's good. So yeah. I'm still, the commonality of the genre to me is making spirituality accessible yeah. and fun. And, you know, here's this poor girl who just lost her brother. And she's like, literally wondering, where did he go? Is he gone? Does his soul keep on? Is reincarnation a thing? And she's got questions and she's talking to him. And I think these are the things that we're curious about as humans, regardless of what we've learned from our religious upbringings. It's just, what are we doing here on earth? And so I really like to tackle those concepts in my work. Mm. And so you sort of have your own, you have a genre that's- (laughs) I made it up.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's it, because as a creator, there's going to be things that you're fascinated with, right? And you can't not write what you're fascinated with. Um, And just before we hit record, um, we were talking about your newest project. You want to guide us into
1: that? Yeah. So along this concept of, you know, metaphysical concepts, I'm completely fascinated by Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic. In fact, I just started rereading it again last night. And she has, in this book, she shares this experience of having inspiration hit her, wanting to write a book, and for whatever reason, life gets in the way, she doesn't see it to fruition. And then she's at a social event, runs into Ann Patchett, the kiss, that's the the only thing I remember from Big Magic. It's the most amazing. Keep
0: telling yeah, those and, of you who have not read it. She tells Ann Patchett, you know, Ann Patchett's
1: about her book, or she's telling Ann Patchett about her book. They realize they're writing the same book, right? And so this concept that ideas are actually disembodied life forms that enter us, that we can physically feel. And it's a gift from the universe of, hey, do you want to make me real? And if you don't, I'm going to scoot over, you know, she jokingly says in the book, like, thanks a lot. I'm honored you would pick me, but maybe you should go visit Barbara Kingsolver. I think she's more your, your alley, you know, and I just love that idea of like, thanks idea, but I think you're more of a rainbow row than uh, me. Um, whatever. I'm totally riffing here. But, um, but I've had this experience myself where my books, two of, two, two of my big projects had been scooped by others. And I've seen this with my friends. So I started writing my own version of like, what does this mean? And is this a real thing? Because this whole concept of the consciousness of the universe and where ideas come from and how do we get inspired is incredibly intriguing to me. But I was working on a screenplay in college called The Elite Fate about these fraternity brothers who were stoned one night and talking about how they would kill somebody if they could. And sure enough, month or two later, there's a Halloween party and someone ends up dead, just like the way it described. Right. And it's this whole murder mystery and it's full of like forbidden same sex love and all these crazy things. And this was like 1991. So this was a long time ago. Um, And I thought it was just like the most brilliant thing I was ever going to write in my life and river phoenix was going to star in it and keanu reeves and i had it all plotted out and then one day i met someone and they said oh yeah have you read the secret history it's just like that donna tarts breakout novel the secret history is almost exactly my my screenplay and i was floored i'm like how could that happen that was my idea and then it happened again with missing tyler and then it happened again with my friend in her writing group and it happened to her again and i went okay universe i get it this is real yeah. i i love that you bring this
0: up because one of the most common i talk to a lot of authors aspiring authors and then there's this whole this massive writers block that so many women encounter and it i think it comes sort of as a byproduct of not understanding inspiration and, and Liz Gilbert's TED talk is about this too, that like genius is like a genie. It's not, I am a genius. It, the way it used to be written about is I have a genius, like a genius is visiting me, like genius and muse being these sort of like external inspirational characters or creatures or life forms that are visiting and... Um, another friend of mine is working on like, how do we cultivate this relationship? What do we need to do to be, and this is the woman I wanted to connect you with. So I will, Okay. what do we need to do to be, uh, present, <laughs> available, be muse ready? Yeah. Muse ready. What do you need to do to be muse ready? Um, so that if inspiration taps you and says, mm-hmm. you know, um, that you can run with it, roll with it, or recognize that it's not yours. And be like, yeah, fly away little birdie, go find another home somewhere because um, while you're great, it's not the right fit or I have another project or whatever. And that it's not, I mean, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Somebody told my story, somebody scooped my blah, blah, blah. Um, And that I remember when reading Big Magic, Liz Gilbert said, how many people were really mad at her for writing Eat, Pray, Love. They were like, you wrote my story. And she's like, well, yeah, but I'm the one who wrote it. Where's your manuscript? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and and the thinking that it's ours, right? The, the possessiveness of this belongs to me or this came, this is me, right? Rather than I'm... I'm the the vehicle for this Mm -hmm. idea to communicate with the world. Um, But writer's block, there's so many parts of it, but some of it is, who am I to tell this, you know? That again, it's like, this is me, and it's not something that I'm channeling or just sharing. And one of the things, you know, I support both the logistics and the emotion of writing and publishing, because there's a lot of vulnerability and identity stuff that goes into it. It's not just keywords and categories and a mm-hmm. sexy book cover, right? Mm-hmm. There's the under, underlying stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but if once we write the story, it's not ours. It's something that we give to the reader and five readers can read one book and all have different experiences Mm -hmm. And so it's the writer, when we're writers blocking, I think we think I've got to figure out how to do this for other people. No matter what we do, it's going to be interpreted. It's going to be a different gift for each person. And so the inspiration comes through us to become the story. And then it sort of comes out again through the person. We each read what we need in what we're reading. We find the meaning, we make the meaning. Um, And so I I want you to keep going and figure this out, um, how to be muse ready and explore this deeper because I think Mm -hmm. that'll um, lubricate some of the creation that's getting stuck in ego and misunderstanding about what these stories are and where they are and 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 where they're going. So I'm really excited to hear um, what you discover and and to maybe we can have another conversation part two. So understand.
1: Yeah. And I and I almost wonder so in in Gilbert's book she kind of theorizes that they're like individual unique things. They pop in me, they leave, they pop in you. I I'm almost wondering if it's bigger than that. And they go into multiple people at once. Because I just read a cluster of novels that I think all had the same muse. Spark. Yeah. They all had the same spark. And now as I read, I'm looking for those threads, especially things that were published in a tight time frame. Mm. If you read The Midnight Library, oh God, I love The Invisible that. Life of Addie LaRue, mm.
0: um,
1: Beljar. Mm. And I think there, there's maybe one other, they're all the same story.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't think of it as, um, as sparks and maybe so this will maybe contribute. Um, I think of a lot of life as like radio waves and microwaves, they're all everywhere all the time. And we, we either tune into them or we don't tune into them. And this is, again, like being muse ready. Like a radio is designed to pick up certain frequencies. A microwave knows what to do with certain frequencies. My cell phone, like they're, they're happening. They're happening through right. us all the time, but I'm not programmed to pick up cell phone signals. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, but I could be programmed to pick up inspirational threads um, yes I do I think they're out yep. just sort of ebbing and again everything for me is like cyclical and ocean waves it's like are you
1: surfing or yeah. not right are you on the water catching a wave well here's or an not? interesting idea to to kind of go off that I was talking with someone recently and they were just like I don't understand how you write fiction like where you get ideas? And she was just really wanting to understand it. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, how do I explain this to someone? And then I realized that I said, did you play with Barbies when you were a kid? And she said, yeah. And I said, so wait, the way I played with Barbies is Ken's talking to Barbie and then they've got to take Skipper to the pool. Oh, and then they have to come home and make dinner and they're dialoguing, right? And I would have these elaborate, I took over our playroom and I would have these elaborate uh, cities happening and storylines like a soap opera. And I would set them down and I'd go eat dinner and I'd come back mm. and I'd come back. And the next morning I'd come back and they just kept going and going and going. And I was writing a book, even though I couldn't type or maybe my writing wasn't great. And I explained to people that I never stopped playing with my Barbies mm now play is the precursor to writing and that and kids can tap into that frequency we're talking about because they don't have any barriers built up around the shoulds of life Mm -hmm. so they are able to tune into that frequency all the time and in life we're told that there's time and place for that and there's less and less time and place for that and i think the fiction writers that exist in the world never tuned off that frequency Mm. and any of us could go there it's a limiting mindset I believe and maybe you're maybe most people aren't interested and that's different you also have to love words and love being alone in front of a typewriter for hours now (laughs) there's other things to it yeah but this idea that only fiction writers have this access to these other worlds I think it's um I think that's a limiting belief and I think that's yeah I think that It's much more available to people than they choose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love that. Um, I, again, I always think that everyone must want to be a writer because everyone I talk to wants to be a writer or is a writer. Um, And so that's my, my lens of everyone must want to write. Not everyone does, right? It's hard. It's logistically hard, it's emotionally hard. There's a lot of steps in it. But then there's the people who want to, but don't know how. And that's the sliver of people who can benefit. Very often I get these just images of something. So I feel like as we grow up, like certain walls just appear. And then eventually enough walls have appeared that you're sort of in this maze of a labyrinth of like, this is how we do things. Mm but it sounds like fiction, right? The way you're describing it, I get this. Either fiction writers can pull down walls and all of a sudden you can go from one place to another place, you know, time travel, for example, um, past lives and all of these things. Um, But we can, those walls don't have to stay there. My daughter's six. And so like, I love the Barbie analogy because there's full on play happening right now. And I'm observing her and saying like, okay, you're closer to source than I am because you've only been here for a, a short while. Um, but even the way she plays now as a six year old versus how she played when she was four, right? She's learned a lot of the how we do things. And, and her dolls are playing sort of more like grown ups, which is a little bit more predictable. And so she's learned, like, learning the, the limitation. I want to, and a lot of the women I'm working with, we're learning how to undo all of that stuff that we we don't even know that we learned once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is play, like playing with, take figuring out who we want to be, both as, as humans, and then exploring that through character and exploring that through writing. It is... Uh, I think of it as endlessly fascinating, but also really, really incredible spiritual work. Um, yes, so I know yes. that you're touching on that. And maybe l- let's talk yeah. about that for a minute or two. And then we're gonna wrap up because I know that the, the metaphysical pop metaphysical is your thing. So
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just bringing that in. And I think as you, you know, as you talk about how to break through those blocks, and relearn. I'm working on this stuff. I mean, we're all works in progress, but really trying to be, to tackle things on that mind, body, spirit level of like, sometimes it's energy work and Reiki that can help with the blocks. Sometimes it's therapy that can help us put pieces together that we never saw before. Sometimes it's podcasts and reading and getting educated or empowering talks from people who understand how to get rid of limiting beliefs and change your mindset, but it's like really attacking them on all levels. Yeah. I've just started a daily meditation practice. I've always been one of those people that I should meditate. I use air quotes a lot, people. Sierra can see me, but everyone else can't, but I'm, I'm an air quoter. Um, and you know, I, as, as this line, I said in another one of my blogs, I should all over myself and, and just stop, right? Like just stop. But, um, but I, I'm using the meditation as a I've got meditation training wheels on right now. So right now I'm just practicing doing it and being yep. there. And, and but ideally, I'd like to get to that place where I can start to directly download from the universe, the intuition and whether that's the creative ideas or whether that's who I need to guide today mm-hmm. um, through my writing community and my career coaching business that I also run. But just staying connected to source As much as possible and having authentic real conversations with people i was at a business lunch yesterday and i just tossed out the idea of energy work i'm like i'm just going to see what happens and i'm just going to throw this out and sure enough she's like tell me more tell me more and um yeah so this is it's a practice there's a reason they call it a practice yeah but the intention and the first step is the biggest piece
0: and i love that um one of the, the blocks that I find people come with so often is that I you know, it's not any good. I was like, well, you just, like it, you just started. What do you expect? Um, and we expect it to be great, right? Like we expect it to be what we find on a shelf without recognizing that what's on the shelf took two years and a team of like 15 people to get it from whatever it looked like when it came out to what it is on the shelf. Um, I'm a pretty big fanatic for the morning pages practice, mm-hmm. um, Julia Cameron's Julia Artist Hannah Way, right? And I was like, we don't publish our morning pages. We don't even read that stuff, right? You do that and then the whole practice of the practice. Mm-hmm. And just
1: um, reminding ourselves. I always said, if you could, if you could read Chris, Hannah, um, Hannah Kristen, is that her name? Kristen Hannah. You know, if you could read one of her novels in the first draft form, you would have a whole new (laughs) awareness of what your own capabilities are. You know, yeah. My Finding Lancelot, I think I did like 17 rounds of revisions over 15 years. I mean, it was ridiculous how much effort I put into that. And even when I published, I still think it could be better. Well, and so
0: let's leave it here. This is, it's not my quote. Somebody was like, oh, I had a college professor who, we're just going to say a college professor said, a paper's never done, ever. It's due, but it's never done. And I love that because it gives permission to be like this, this is here. <laughs> yes, it can be changed. Yes, it could be something, air quoting again. But, but this is where we stop, right? Yeah. And I, I want more of these conversations with writers so that new writers can be like, wow, how many drafts over how much time? My yep. second book, I definitely revised and sort of edited, not massive, but I read it 27 times before publishing it. And I'm sure there's typos and ways that it could be said better, but but now it's out in the world and it's like, there you okay. make what you're going to make of it, but now I'm done. And I think bringing it all together of like inspiration, if inspiration is a life of its own, you can't. It's like beating a dead horse of, of like making inspiration perfect is, is it, it will leave you. I guarantee you it will leave if you're trying too long, too hard to make it perfect. I think inspiration and perfection are like
1: opposite poles I'm on a beautiful. I thing. just had this conversation with a coaching client before where she's working on her resume. She wants it to be perfect. And oh, I God. sit down is better than perfect. Yeah. Same thing, it's due.
0: Yeah, I perfect.
1: love that line. All right, my dear- I think we could uh for like five more hours. So yes, we, we should could. probably I try to a close. <laughs> the, the best conversations could go on
0: forever. And I hope that we have a second opportunity after your essay is done. I'd love to hear more about that and share that with the audience. Sounds As great. As always, we'll be checking in every week with another woman creator in the world sharing ideas and insights and wisdom and a little nudge to go out and create something imperfect, but inspired. Um, Thank you Tamara so much. It's really great to connect with you, to get to know you and share a little bit more about the work that you're doing. Check out her books, her writing community, um, all of her info and a bio and all that fun linkage stuff will be in the show notes. So you can stalk her like I did and um, really great to connect with you. I just appreciate
1: the time that you take. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This has been great. And I would love to come again in a future time. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you.